Hello and welcome to Southside Fringecast. My name is Hannah Fredsgaard and I'm delighted to present this podcast brought to you by the people behind the Southside Fringe Festival. What is well-being and how can it be improved? In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Community Development Director of Finn's Place, Ruth Forsyth. Finn's Place is a well-being hub on Glasgow Southside, providing opportunities for improving and enhancing well-being through a programme of activities and community events. I hope you enjoy listening. Ruth, thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast Could you introduce yourself to our listeners, just telling us your name and who you are and what it is that you do? Yep, can do. Uh, So my name is Ruth Forsyth. Um, As you can tell from my accent, I am originally from Northern Ireland, but I've been living in Scotland now for 18 years. And currently I am the Community Development Director at Finn's Place. Um, We're a wellbeing organisation, so our aim is to enhance and improve people's personal well-being through a weekly programme of activities that we run and through occasional events for the community. We've become a community well-being hub in the area and we work in partnership with several other groups and organisations um, around the south side. In normal times, we would be open four or five days a week for people to come in and have a tea and coffee and all of our activities would be on and the building would be very busy. But as you can imagine at the minute, it's a little bit quieter and not so many people in in and about at the minute. You said that you are the Community Development Director. What does that role entail? Well, it really means that I manage the whole project, I manage the whole organisation. I look after the day-to-day running of the organisation, um, managing the, the programme of activities with the tutors and the teachers. I make connections with other organisations and community groups. I look after the funding applications, um, keep people up to date with what's happening and try to connect with as many people as possible. I'm usually in the building when we're open and so I get a chance to talk to people as they come in and out to classes and I get to know some people um, who attend regularly. So it's it's pretty much a hands-on job and very much a part of everything that goes on. Um, in the organisation and, and within the building. And I noticed that on Finn's Place website, there's a, there's a line about living our lives to the full. What does what does that mean? What does it mean to live our lives to the full? Well, everyone everyone's life is different. We all have different challenges and advantages. For some people, the challenges can at times outweigh the advantages, and this is when we face times of stress. We can have an emotional overload because of what's happening in our lives or we may experience some physical limitations because of illness or some incapacity. And living life to the full doesn't mean changing all of these things. It means how can we live as well as we can with the challenges that life brings at any one time? So if we're facing a bereavement, for example, we will experience a real sense of loss and and it can be a very difficult time. But if we have friends who we can share our grief with or a place where we can go to find help for our own emotional needs, then that can make this stage of our lives much more bearable and can help us through. So it's not necessarily about taking away any of the difficulties that we face, but giving people a network of connections and things that they can do that will help them through the difficult times. And so for each person, that will be different. And and that's why we offer such a wide range of activities and groups at Finn's Place, because different people have different needs. 
Some people need a quiet place where they can come and be on their own. Other people need a group where they can get support. And other people need an interest that can help give them a break from thinking about things and worrying about things. So so we try to offer as wide a range of things as possible in order to help uh, as many people as possible. And um, what, there's this fun thing about Finn's Place, that it's called Finn's Place. But who is Finn? <laughs> who is Finn, actually? I've seen seen a photo of a cat with the name yes. Finn around the place um, in in the building. But, but who is it a cat? He was, indeed. Um, whenever the project was initially being set up, of course, there was a big discussion about what, what it should be called. And we looked at many options, um, lots of different ideas. But actually, it was the story of the cat that, that we used, and that's why we called it Finn's Place. So Finn was um, the minister's cat, the minister of Langside Church, and he had been a rescue cat. Um, he had suffered some serious injuries. He'd been in street fights, and he'd been in accidents, and he'd had major surgery. And so he was in the rescue centre being looked after, and then... Um, David, who was the minister of the church, he came along and gave him a new home. He gave uh, Finn a place where he was welcome, where it was warm and safe and where his needs would be taken care of. And I think it was a it was a, a benefit to both, not just to Finn, but also to David that um, they got together because Finn would then come and sit in David's lap while he was working in his study. And so they both benefited from that relationship. And so we felt that this was really an appropriate image of what we wanted to offer people. Not that we offer medical services or we, that we do social work in, in any way that, that these statutory bodies do, but in an informal community space where people would make connections, where they would support each other, where they could get to know each other and yet be involved in something that would be mutually beneficial to them. So, so that's why we decided to call it Finn's Place. And sometimes people see the sign and they think, oh, it must be a charity for cats. But um, I think I think we've become well enough known now around the south side that many people know, know who we are and what we do. <laughs> yes. So it's not it's not a cat cafe. No, absolutely not. There are no cats running around in the building at the moment, are there? Yes. It has been suggested that we get another fin. The the original fin is no longer with us. So, um, But it has been suggested that we get another fin. Um, Then we have the problem of looking after him and feeding him and all the rest of it. So maybe, but maybe someday. So you've already mentioned this a bit, like about what well-being is, because I suppose there's been a lot of talk about well-being and self-care as well over over the, the the last year um what what would you how would you define well-being um and what can that be done to to improve well-being in our lives well yes well-being is a word that that is used a lot these days and it, and it can be defined in several ways but generally it means feeling good about your life and functioning as well as you can in your life and, and the evidence shows that the way we think and the things that we do have a great impact on the level of our well-being. So we can improve our well-being, partly through changing the way we think, but also taking part in activities that will improve how we feel and how we function. And several years ago, the New Economics Foundation conducted research and they discovered that there are five main things that improve our sense of well-being. And these are to connect with other people to keep learning, to be active, to take notice of the world around us, and then to give back to our community in one way or another. 
And so we use these five ways to well-being as the guide for what we offer at Finn's Place. And everything we do usually hits three or more of these five things. So, for example, if we take our writing class, people come along to a class and they meet new people. So they make new connections. They learn how to write poetry and how to write prose and how to write fiction. And so they're learning something new. Their tutor might ask them to go for a walk around the park and while they're walking, they hear to notice what's what's around them so that they can write about it. So they get out and they're active and they're taking notice of things and, and writing it down so that they can make a poem out of it. And then occasionally they hold an event where the class gets to perform the poetry they've written. And at the event, they raise money for charity. So even in just one activity, you know, it's a way for people to get a very rounded sense of engagement, which is a real boost to their well-being. And I know that especially the writing class has been really important to a lot of people that has given them a real sense of um, um, working together and supporting each other. And and they have also, um, you know, some people have actually gone on to write their own poetry and, and publish their own poetry and become performance poets. So it has really improved um, their well-being through being involved in this class. And then um, another organisation called Action for Happiness has added to the five ways of well-being with other things that also help to improve our well-being. And these are things like learning how to deal with our emotions accepting things about our lives and ourselves that, that we can't change, finding meaning in what we do, so maybe getting involved in a project that brings about some good in the world, finding a direction in life, so maybe setting some goals towards a particular aim that we want to reach, like some further study or a career change, and then finally developing resilience, which in many ways is developed through all of these other things. For when our well-being is good, we're much more likely to be able to deal with the challenges that life brings to us. So there are lots of different ways that we can um, improve our own sense of well-being. And even though it may be hard for us to define what that is, I think we know it when it's better and we know it when it's not good. Um, and so if we can do as many of these things as possible, it will help improve our sense of well-being um, as we go through our life and even as we face difficulties we can still then have these things to draw on whenever we go through a difficult time. How how does it work then in your own life? Like how how do you what have you found things that um work for you in your in your life? Yes, I have. I know it can get it can get really busy at work and, and there are times when I'm in the office a lot and because there's a lot on. And so I um at one point I made sure that I had to look after my own well-being. There's no point in me being the director of a well-being charity if I'm not doing that as well. Mm. And so I had to put things in place in my own life that helped me deal with those challenges. So I I usually spend some time meditating in the mornings. Um, and I find that this helps me deal with my own life challenges and it creates a space for me to reflect on my own life. Mm. Um, I volunteer with another charity as I'm able to, and this gives me an opportunity to help other people in a, in a very different way than I do at my work. Um, I like to walk, so I try and walk every day or at least some good long walks two or three times a week. And we recently just moved from a tenement flat to a house with a garden. So now I enjoy working on the garden and we really love having our own outdoor space. So I try to make as much room in my own life for things that help keep me well 
and help me deal with with all the challenges that life can throw at us. And now you mentioned garden. Um, there is a garden outside Finn's place. And um, I've noticed that in the summer months, they've seen this labyrinth that's been drawn on the grass around um, a tree in the garden. What, what is this labyrinth and what what's it about? What's it for? Um, well, labyrinths have, have a history that goes back over 4,000 years and labyrinths have been found on every continent in the world. There are various designs, um, the earliest being the classical labyrinth style, which is the one that I usually put on the grass at Finn's Place. There's also a Roman design, which has you know sharper edges, and the labyrinth on the floor of the main room in Finn's Place has the Roman style, a Roman style labyrinth on it. Um, a labyrinth is a winding path, and the path takes the walker on a meandering um, path. And the main thing about a labyrinth is that it has only one path. It's not like a maze. And the path of a labyrinth will take you into the centre of the labyrinth. And then when you follow it, it brings you back out again. Whereas a maze is a design that has many paths. It has dead ends where you can get lost. It has junctions where you have to make decisions and you don't really know where you're going in a maze. But in a labyrinth, you can't get lost as there's only one path and it will always take you either into the centre or back out again. And so it's it's a very ancient tool to help people um, slow down and think a little bit. And that's usually why we use a labyrinth. It gives us space in our lives. Sometimes we can get so busy, our lives can be so full, and even our mind can be going, you know, can get so busy with all the thoughts and all the worries that we have, that we really need to take the time to slow down and reflect on life and what's going on around us. And it's really quite hard to walk fast on a labyrinth because of the turns and the twists of the path. So when you walk a labyrinth, it slows us down. And that gives us the space to think in a way that we don't get at other times. And because there's only one path, we don't need to worry about getting lost. We don't need to worry about making a decision about which way to go. And instead, we can just reflect on our own thoughts take time to think things through, maybe if we're making a decision or if we just want to think about something in a more in a deeper way, then the labyrinth really helps us do that. So you enter the labyrinth with an intention to think about something, walk into the centre as you think about it, and you can wait in the centre of the labyrinth until you gain some insight or just spend a little bit more time thinking about something and then on your way back out you take what you have reflected on and say so what difference will that make whenever I leave the labyrinth and in that way it gives you a process of thinking things through coming to some kind of a insider conclusion and then taking that back out with you as you leave the labyrinth so it can be a very powerful tool in helping us just slow down and be a little bit more thoughtful about our lives and is that labyrinth open to the public? Yes, the garden is open um, to anyone. Um, the, it's open all the time to anyone. And yes, anyone can come in, walk the labyrinth or just sit in the garden and enjoy the sunshine. Um, if the sun's shining, it's it's a nice place to be, nice peaceful garden. And you mentioned, you already mentioned some of the events and activities that you host in the building. But um, yeah, what, 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 kind of, what kind of events and 
and um, activities do you have running throughout the week? We offer a lot of things because different people have different needs and different interests. So we, in our weekly programme, we would have things like um, Pilates and yoga for those who like to, to do something that is more exercise. We have an exercise class for the over 50s. We have massage therapy and um, aromatherapy and Alexander technique for those who need to you know, deal with the, their muscles and their body. We have um, singing, two singing groups, one for women, one for men. Um, we have an ESOL class for those who are new to Scotland and wanting to learn. Um, we have our two writers groups and we have what is called Capacitar, which is a blend of activities that are gathered from all over the world that improve our well-being. So in a capacitor class, there might be a little bit of Tai Chi, there might be some mindfulness, there might be some meditation, visualization, there might be some other techniques from around the world that help us deal with stress. And so capacitor is a blend of practices that have been put together to help people focus on their own well-being through mind, body and spirit, recognising that all three of these are important to us. So, yes, yeah, so we have a, a whole range of activities at Finn's Place. We do also offer some one-to-one counselling for people. Um, and then we also partner with other organisations to do things in the building. So groups will maybe hire a space and lead some sessions of their own, and we will support them in that. So, for example, an organisation called Lapidus um, does therapy with people who are recovering from trauma. And so they very often come and use the building. Um, and other organisations use the building too. So so it can be quite a busy place. Um, but I think we try to, in the midst of all that busyness, still have a sense of peace and quiet. And so there are times when the building is quieter rather than lots of people being around. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it, it, it's, it's an opportunity for people to come and find whatever it is that helps them. They don't have to attend all of the sessions, but only those that they feel are important to them. We, we also run events from time to time. And every year we would normally run events as part of the Southside Fringe. So we might run like an afternoon retreat where people can come in and take time out of a busy week and spend just a couple of hours again being looking after themselves and taking care of themselves in a way that's very important. Or we might run a family event. We have run family films or family kailies. Um, We've run fun days. Um, So, yeah, lots of different activities like that for families. We also work with other local organisations. For example, we have done several projects with the Langside Community Heritage Group. We have worked with them on um, running family fun days, looking at ancient skills and heritage in the area and we've also completed two projects on one on world war one and the other on world war two and for each of those we've published a little booklet which people can can get and find out a little bit about the local history of the area and of the people in the area who served during the world wars so we we can be um, involved not just in running our own events and our own activities but with other organisations as well and supporting them and working in partnership with them in in helping bring about a community feel to the whole area. And now you mentioned the Fringe. Southside Fringe recently had its Plugged In and Wired Festival and your creative writing group was part of that, wasn't it? 
Yeah, the, the Finns Placed Writing Group has done amazing work over the past few years. Um, the group is led by Linda Jackson, and she works with two groups for us. Um, she's taken them away to Spain for a week, and they have contributed to our history projects. And several people from the class have gone on to publish their own books of poetry and have performed at various places around Glasgow. And so the idea behind the book was to publish some of the best work from the class over the past few years. And Linda gathered together the poems and edited them all down. And amazingly, they did all of that work and published it during lockdown. And we had an online launch and the book very quickly sold over 100 copies, which was great. Um, And I think it was a real confidence boost for those who had Mm. their poems published. Um, it's one thing to write your own poetry, but it's another thing to put it out there and let somebody else read it. So Absolutely. it was a great encouragement, I think, for the, the class to see their, their work come to fruition and have a book that they could share with their friends and families. Um, the book is available from the Finns Place shop on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, it costs £10, which includes postage and packaging. Or if you want to drop into the office when we're open, um, it's £8 uh, for to pick up. So, so yeah, it's still available. Plenty of copies left for those who might be interested. Excellent. Well, that's really good to know. And also, if our listeners would like to know more about Finn's Place and all the events and activities that are coming up, I imagine a lot of things might start to change over the next coming months, hopefully. Um, But what's the best way for people to stay in the loop? Well, we we send out a monthly emailer to keep people up to date with what's coming up and any events that we're holding and with any changes. So if people want to go onto the Finns Place website, they can sign up at the bottom of the front page. There's a sign up form just to give us your contact details and we'll put you onto our mailing list and, and send out the emailer to you just to let you know what's happening. That's great. Thank you so much, Ruth, for um, for speaking to me. I'm sure that lots of people will be really eager to um, to come back to Finn's Place and be part of all the activities. So uh, best of luck with the reopening. Thanks very much indeed, Hannah. That was Ruth Forsyth speaking to me, Hannah Fredsgaard, on Southside Fringecast. We are now going to close the episode with a song called Cannot Steal the Sound. It is by Isla Ratcliffe a Scottish fiddle player, singer and composer who's also part of the Southside-based music network Blue Tongue Collective. Thank you for tuning in to Southside Fringecast. If you like what you heard, give us a quick review, hit subscribe and join the conversation. Last night April came, told us she had to stay She changed We stumbled on mutter, fly, shutter, cry. Oh, sigh. But I'll whisper you a song I like. I'll sing it round a couple times. Hoping that you might sing with me at night. We made wishes on wishing trees, casting tales of light, burning light. 
Cannot steal the sound 